Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day and welcome to Voice of the Church, where we take our time to study God's Word month by month. We give thanks that we can look this month through the book of Daniel, spending time today on Daniel 2 and covering Daniel 2 and 3 over the next four weeks. Our first study is on Daniel 2 and we begin with this question, have you ever had a dream? A dream where you wake up in the night and you feel as if there's something in that dream you need to remember. Maybe it's the next morning and you have portions of the dream coming back to you. Maybe it's the middle of the night and you think you need to write something down because something is sticking and you feel there's some way in which you need to hear and remember the message of the dream. Well, this has happened many times in the history of the world, and on rare occasions, God has chosen to speak in these dreams, and our story today is on a time when God spoke to the king of Babylon in a dream. That king's name was Nebuchadnezzar II. He reigned and began his reign in about 605 BC, and the dream he had we will read of just a little, but we begin by noticing that God is going to use this dream to move Nebuchadnezzar, who did not believe in the one true God, the God of Israel, the God who would show himself in Jesus Christ, how God would move this king to understand that among the people of Israel, there was a true and living God. And our focus today is on how we need to understand that among God's people today, among the church, the people of God who confess faith in Jesus Christ, there is a true and living God who can make mysteries known and make known to us the way of salvation and the way of life in Jesus Christ. For our scripture reading, we'll begin with Daniel 2, verses 8 through 12, and then read three more verses. Daniel 2, 8, the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time, because you see my decision is firm. But if you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know you can give me its interpretation. Now, in those two verses, what the king is doing is challenging the wise men of his time to give not only what the dream meant, but also what the dream originally was. I don't know if you've ever read a horoscope, and it's been so generic that it could apply to anyone at any time. Anyone could read that horoscope and think maybe it came true for them. Well, this king was wise, and he knew that if he told his magicians and astrologers and wise men what the dream was, they could certainly make up something that would fit the dream and interpret it. But the king did not want their imagination. The king did not want them to make something up. The king had that feeling that something in this dream was real and true, a message for him. And so, to prove their ability to interpret the dream, the king required not only its interpretation, but also the dream itself. When the wise men heard this, they answered the king in these words in verse 10, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician astrologer or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now as we have our study this day on Daniel 2, this is the crux of the whole situation. Nebuchadnezzar was looking for knowledge that could only be gained if, according to verse 11, the gods dwelt with the flesh. Now what those words mean is is that's the response of the wise men to Nebuchadnezzar. They argue against him saying he's asking something that's impossible. 
when he asks them to give not only the interpretation of the dream, but the dream itself, he is doing what no one has ever asked before, and everybody knew that such a feat would be impossible. The only way one man could tell another man his dream, if he had information from the gods. Now, for the Babylonian wise men, they knew that couldn't happen. They acknowledge that the gods do not dwell with the flesh, that they don't actually have a real power or a real access to God by which they can make known the will of the Most High God. And so as the king asks for the dream to be given, the magicians, they're, they're at an end of themselves. They know they have nothing. And as we think about this, there's some important truths to draw out. There are many people in the world today who claim to be able to give insight and instruction for others in life. There are horoscopes you can read. There are people you can go to to have your palm read. And you can find very many interesting things being told to you, whether it's from a palm reader or from a fortune cookie. But none of these things can actually give you truth from God. They're all games. They're all just a way we can play and we can all get along and pretend to have fun and pretend to have learning as long as no one asks for what is really true. As long as no one seeks what is really from the one true God. Because if you ask that, no palm reader and no horoscope could ever tell you, just like the magicians of Babylon could not tell the king what he really desired to hear. No, they said, only God can do that. And in their mind and in their religion, the gods did not dwell with man. Well, as the story goes on, King Nebuchadnezzar is enraged. He knows this dream has some message for him. He's intimidated by it. And so he decides, because the magicians and the wise men cannot give the meaning of the dream, that he will kill all the magicians and wise men of his nation. He sends out the decree for them all to be killed. And among those wise men are four who have come from the land of Israel. Daniel is the chief, the one we know the most and the one the book is named after. There's also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three familiar friends if you know Bible stories from your past. These four men are included among those wise men the king will kill. And when the chief captain of the wise man's guard comes to Daniel with the command to kill Daniel and his friends, Daniel answers this captain and asks for time that the dream might be made known as they seek the Lord. In verse 16, we read these words, that after Daniel had faced the captain, Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then verse 19 reads, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now what we have in this passage is a contrast between a Babylonian empire and the people of God. The Babylonian empire was the more powerful of the two nations in terms of military might, in terms of worldly strength. The nation of Israel had itself been conquered by Babylon. But Babylon, for all its power and all its pride, did not have the Lord. When the wise men were consulted, they said they couldn't give the message because the dwelling of the gods was not with the flesh. But when Daniel was confronted, Daniel who had his hope in the one true God, Daniel who knew the one true God, Daniel was not afraid. He gathered his friends together. They had a prayer meeting and they sought the face of God. Because Daniel knew something 
The wise men of Babylon did not. Daniel knew that God did indeed dwell with man. In fact, throughout the history of the Old Testament, the Bible tells us the story of how Almighty, Holy God will dwell among a sinful people. It begins when he kills an animal to cover the nakedness and the shame of Adam and Eve. And God begins to show how this sovereign God whom Adam and Eve have sinned against will still be near to sinners. As the story goes on, God will do many things, one of the key things being to have a tabernacle and later a temple built. This building was a building which would be called the house of God, the place where the Most High dwelt. It was to be located in the middle of the Israelite nation with all the people of Israel surrounding it. And in that tabernacle, in that temple, God himself was said to dwell. And he dwelt there because that temple would be the place of sacrifice. That temple would be the place where the people of God would come confessing their sins and having lambs or rams slain and their blood shed upon the altar and their blood taken into the very presence of God as a covering for the sin of the people. You see, we have to ask the question, why can God not dwell with the flesh? Those Babylonian wise men, they, they understood a real reality that there is a problem in thinking that God can dwell with humans. And the question is, what is the problem? Why can God not dwell with man? And the reason is because God is almighty and holy and perfectly pure. And mankind is sinful. We, in our sin, are repugnant to God. If God was to look at us in ourselves and see our weakness and our failings, God hates sin because it breaks what he loves. Imagine you have created something beautiful. You have invested all your time and wisdom and energy into a wonderful creation, a painting, a masterpiece of music. And someone comes along and they utterly destroy it. And they destroy it with hatred and animosity against you. The work of destruction would be something you hate because they broke what was good. We have broken what God has made. We have rebelled against the Most High God, and because we have fought God and destroyed His creation, God then is angry with us. And the Most High God cannot dwell with sinful man, because we are contrary to Him. He desires what is good and pure and holy, and we desire only what is for ourselves. Why then could God dwell with Daniel? Why could He dwell with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Why? When the captain of the king's guard came to kill them, did they have hope that this God would be among them and speak to them? Because they knew that God not only hated our sin, but he loved those who committed sin. He set his love upon them in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is pictured in the lambs that were slain to cover the sin of God's people. And they knew that if they sought God through faith in his provided Savior, that this God would hear their prayers and this God would answer them. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go to God in prayer, and they find the Most High God hears and answers their prayer. And their lives are spared, and the king of Babylon, as we'll see next week, will have his dream interpreted. But the key for us to realize is this today, that when we speak in the church about the living God dwelling among his people through Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit, we are not telling tales, and we are not speaking lies. 
the real God, the God who made heaven and earth and all things by the word of his mouth, really and truly dwells among his people in the church through his son, Jesus Christ. When we have something the world cannot solve, we have a true God we can seek who will guide us and help us and hear our prayers. We can go to him every day, every moment, every second, and that God will hear you if you come to him through the precious name and work of Jesus Christ. And our call today is to realize that if we are not Christians, this almighty God who would not dwell with sinners has made himself known through his son Jesus Christ, and we can know him by turning to Christ in faith. And if you are a Christian today, please understand, this is not a joke. The real God dwells with you. He is there to comfort, to strengthen, to sustain, to guide. You need to turn to Him, ask for His leading, seek His help in His Word, and find and remember what it means that the real, true God dwells with His church through Jesus Christ. The Lord's blessings to you as you continue your day. May it be in seeking the one true God who has shown Himself in His Son, the Lord Jesus. Jesus.